Welcome back to another episode of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast. Today is Monday, May 24th. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III. And on today's episode, we'll be focusing on commercial airlines based in the Asia-Pacific region. But first, I want to remind everybody that we do have our next installment of the Connected Aviation Intelligence webcast series coming up next month, Wednesday, or I'm sorry, Tuesday, June 8th through Thursday, June 10th, 2021. We already have a great lineup of speakers confirmed, uh, quite a few good topics, 5G, LEO satellites. Uh, we have speakers from Lot Polish Airlines, the new low-cost carrier here in the U.S. Avelo is also going to be speaking. So it's going to be three days of connectivity that you don't want to miss. You can go to our website, gcasummit.com, see the entire agenda and register for free. We also include a link to the registration for the Connected Aviation Intelligence webcast in the podcast notes. We hope everybody signs up and tunes in. So I recently had the chance to catch up with Joshua Eng. He is the director of Alton Aviation Consultancy, which is an independent advisory firm that has advised some of the world's largest airlines, aircraft manufacturers, and investors throughout Asia, the U.S., and Europe. You may have seen analysis from Alton in publications like Bloomberg or the Business Times, for example. Joshua discusses how some airlines in the Asia-Pacific region are adjusting to the impact of COVID-19 on passenger air travel demand and the status of air cargo market in the region as well. Based on his observation and consulting with airlines and others across the aviation industry in the region, he also discusses some of the new in-flight services such as ancillary revenue that serve, that some airlines could enable with connectivity in the near future. So let's get into our discussion with Alton Aviation. So Josh, first, for those in our audience who may be unaware of who Alton Aviation is, where you're located, can you give us some background on the organization and your role there and some of your day-to-day responsibilities with Alton Aviation? Thank you, Woodrow, and it's a pleasure to be on this podcast. Uh, my name is Joshua Ng. I'm a director at Alton Aviation Consultancy in the Singapore office. For those of you that don't know our firm, uh, we are a boutique aviation management consultancy and we work across the value chain, whether it's uh, with airlines, airports, aerospace or OEM companies, MRO companies. Um, and we also work with a lot of different stakeholders, whether they are industry companies, financial investors, as well as governments. Uh, our firm, we have six offices globally in New York, Dublin, uh, and, and four offices here in the Asia-Pacific region, Singapore, Hong Kong, China, and, and Japan. And thanks for joining us on the podcast today. And we've covered the impact of COVID-19 on the commercial airline industry extensively over the last year, although one of the segments and regions of the world that we haven't had as much insight on, specifically around airlines, is the Asia-Pacific region. So focusing specifically on the commercial airline segment of the Asia-Pacific region, what are some of the biggest operational, financial, and regulatory challenges that airlines are facing there right now? Yes, certainly. Um, I think the challenges that, that Asia-Pacific airlines face are no different from what airlines uh, in other regions are facing, and that's largely a, a financial uh, challenge. 
Um, obviously, there, there were some initial operating challenges as airlines had to contend with shutting down large parts of their operations. Um, and this came in the form of um, a myriad of travel restrictions and regulations that were imposed by governments, um, passenger cancellations uh, because of the fear of traveling, as well as putting aircraft into storage. Um, but I think the financial challenge is somewhat existential for the airline. Um, and two reasons for that, um, airlines have been using a lot of the unearned passenger revenues um, as part of their balance sheet liquidity and with large volumes of passengers cancelling their travel plans and demanding refunds um, and with no future bookings in sight, a lot of airlines have found it hard to find the cash to actually refund passengers. And, and on the operating cost side, um, the operating expenses still had to be paid, two of the largest um, uh, cost categories that airlines have is in employee costs, uh, as well as the aircraft lease or financing costs. And so with the significant cash burden that airlines are facing, um, there was also the difficulty of actually raising the liquidity necessary in that uncertain environment. Uh, banks were hesitant to lend. Um, they didn't know how long the crisis was going to last. Some airlines were already not profitable before the crisis and the crisis will only exacerbate it. Um, and so what happened in many countries was governments actually step in. A lot of them provided economic support for jobs. Um, they put in money either as loans or equity stakes into the airlines. Um, but in Asia Pacific specifically, I think there were three airlines that didn't do very well. Uh, Thai Airways and Nok Airlines in, in, in Thailand, as well as Virgin Australia and, and Australia uh, had to go under, in, into bankruptcy uh, because uh, of their, their liquidity situation. And all in all, um, IATA has reported at the end of March 2021, um, governments have put in $230 billion in aid to airlines um, in all forms of uh, financial support. Um, one thing to note, a lot of this money will likely have to be repaid after the crisis. Um, and so what that means is the airlines are taking along a huge amount of debt. Uh, they're highly levered um, and there could be some repercussions on future spending um, and even survival, not today, uh, but three to five years down the road as we see traffic recover um, and very keen competition in the market um, to try and get people uh, flying again. That is a great point. You know, some of those, uh, you know, the, that definitely is the government aid program has happened here in the U.S. as well. Um, now, are there any airlines who are succeeding or finding ways to still make financial gains or improvements by adjusting to the new climate with new routes or air cargo services, for example, there in the Asia Pacific region? Mm hmm. If you look at what a lot of airlines and how they have uh, built their business models, um, airlines are largely focused on uh, the flying part of the business, uh, whether it is flying passengers or flying cargo. Um, uh, the other additional ancillary services such as uh, flight, uh, hotel bookings, car bookings, uh, loyalty programs that don't really represent large shares of revenue uh, for the airline. And what that means that given that aircraft and aircraft-related expenses are going to be the most substantial part of the cost structure. Um, one way the airlines have uh, done to keep, uh, to keep in business is to keep the aircraft flying um, and, and pivot into the cargo business, as you rightly pointed out. 
uh, those airlines that had strong cargo franchises in the pre-COVID days uh, have done well. Um, I like to bring up the example of Asiana Airlines. Uh, it's a, ca a carrier in, in South Korea. They have been losing money because of an unprofitable passenger business. Uh, but they were surprisingly consistently profitable through 2020. And that's because they had a very good cargo franchise and they doubled down by bringing uh, their passenger aircraft to, into cargo service, uh, thus you know, creating a lot more revenue and a lot more profit for the company. Uh, we have also seen other Asia Pacific airlines like Eva Air uh, and China Airlines continue to take delivery of new freighters to support their cargo operations. Um, and for those airlines that have not actually dabbled too much into the cargo space, um, we have seen all them also pivot into freighter operations by converting their passenger aircraft into freighters. Uh, they remove the seats on the main deck um, and so they can carry uh, cargo on the main deck as well as in the belly hole. Um, and that's one way where uh, airlines have tried to adapt uh, to this unusual environment. But the underlying trend there um, is uh, it's going to be supported by e-commerce growth. E-commerce grew significantly in 2020. Um, and the underlying shift towards a more digital economy is accelerating. Um, we see in Asia Pacific, there are a significant number of export markets like China, Hong Kong, uh, Taiwan, Korea, for example. Um, and they continue to, and they will continue to, to drive a lot of the export demand uh, from Asia Pacific to other Asia countries, but also around the globe as well. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned a period of uncertainty. It really is a period of uncertainty right now. Even though here in the U.S., uh, we've seen you know domestic travel has has rebounded, but international passenger travel still are you know pretty historic lows. Um, what type of questions are you seeing from airlines in that region that you provide consulting services for? You know, how how are they trying to navigate this current climate of uncertainty until they get back to some sense of normalcy? Yeah, I think when we look at the questions that airlines are, are asking, um, I think a lot of them have to do with uh, pivoting business models and right-sizing business models in Asia. Uh, one of the things that is somewhat different in the Asia-Pacific region versus, say, uh, the US, uh, where you're based in or in Europe, is the fact that uh, governments have taken a more conservative stance in reopening the economy. Uh, they have prioritized the public healthcare outcomes. Um, and so what you'll see is a lot more governments uh, going with uh, uh, the uh, a low or zero COVID case measure uh, uh, to, to guide um, in the reopening of the economy uh, versus say in, the, in Europe or America where uh, there's a more uh, uh, a higher prioritization towards opening economy um, and, and managing the, the public healthcare crisis. I think that's the, the key difference that we see in, in, in those markets. And, and certainly the situation in India right now is, is fairly worrying um, and pro potentially has repercussions around the world. Um, so I would say um, a lot of the work that we do right now is on the cost side in helping airlines um, right-size their business to, to get through um, um, in, in a decent shape uh, for the new normal. Um, and when passenger traffic actually returns, um, then they are well positioned uh, against their peers uh, to, to survive and to thrive um, in the new normal. And, you know, so one of the primary topics that we like to focus on the podcast is, of course, in-flight entertainment and connectivity technologies, as well as new 
digital technologies that are being deployed on airplanes and airports around the world. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. as examples, some of our recent coverage in other aviation publications of airlines in the Asia-Pacific region, uh, we continue to see interest in the adoption of in-flight entertainment and connectivity. Uh, you know, for example, mm -hmm. a couple years ago, I interviewed Singapore Airlines. They don't seem like they're, you know, turning off the Internet. Uh, you know, we reached out to Qantas, got kind of the same perspective. But wanted to get your perspective on just the, um, you know, the interest and adoption of IFC technologies there. Is the, you know, appetite for connectivity and in-flight entertainment still strong? Yeah, I think whether it's on the ground or whether it's in, in the air, uh, we do see a lot of uh, um, airlines and airports actually still investing in technology. Um, certainly those big enterprise uh, digital transformation efforts are not going to happen uh, given the financial situation. But a lot of airports and airlines are still investing in, in the small tactical uh, projects, which has high return on investment and which also help to rebuild the confidence um, that the passenger can have um, as he or she uh, starts flying again. Um, and so when we look at two key teams um, uh, that the airlines and airports have, have uh, uh, spent on um, in more recent times, I think they, they fall in, in, in terms of the self-service and touchless uh, team, as well as, as you rightly pointed out, the in-flight connectivity team. Um, but you know, when we talk, when we think about self-service and touchless, this uh, applies not only online uh, uh, in flight, but also on the ground. Um, and we look at a lot of airlines that they were in various states of digitization pre-COVID, but during COVID, whether you were already highly digitized or whether you were not digitized, um, airlines were just moving towards that higher level of digitization because they knew that. Uh, their current systems just could not cope with the unprecedented challenges that they face. And so from a passenger angle, uh, from an airline point of view, um, I think one of the things that, that struck a lot of airlines was the fact that um, they, they could not handle a lot of the, 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 their internal operations. And one of the areas includes the customer support uh, departments. There were so many airline, uh, passengers rebooking uh, their flights, cancelling their flights or getting refunds and their people, men, customer support centers just simply could not handle. Um, and we think about digital solutions, uh, those are scalable solutions which can support both business as usual as well as irregular operations such as COVID. Um, and one of the things that we, we, we have seen airlines invest in is, is the app, their app, their, app, their mobile app. Um, and, you know, what airlines are trying to do is just put as many services as possible through the app um, and, and, and their website, whether it's booking of flights, flight changes, refunds. And one of the things that uh, they have started to progress towards is uh, uh, AI enabled or you know, process workflow enabled chatbots to support the customer, uh, uh, customer service function. Um, uh, these chatbots can do the simple job of, of processing the basic refunds or the cancellations um, and leaving the, the customer service agents to actually service the more tricky uh, problems uh, that, that, that passengers are facing. Um, and when we look also at the other angle um, from a passenger's uh, point of view, they would like to see uh, a safer, uh, a cleaner um, a travel journey 
Um, and that has also led airlines and airports to actually invest not only on the ground, but also in the air. But on the ground, I think there are a lot of things that um, airlines have, have been trying to do. Um, and that includes things like biometrics to provide digital verification of identities and credentials across a passenger journey. Um, and Star Alliance, I think, is one of the key, uh, one of the interesting um, 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 companies that have um, started 